You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Hello, hello, my friend. I hope you are rolling up to this girl chat today with a glass of wine, coffee, chai, tea. I mean, whatever floats your boat. We are just so dang honored that you take time every week to spend with us. We love you and this community and this podcast so much. It's literally impossible to put it into words. But if you have words though, for how much you love this podcast, we'd love to hear that. In other words, if you haven't left us a review yet, please do. Those reviews are so helpful in increasing our reach and rankings with this podcast, meaning that we can serve even more entrepreneurs and continue to snag even more amazing guests for this show. But more importantly than anything else, those reviews mean so much to us as the podcast hosts. We read every single one and it makes our day to hear how long you've been listening, where you're listening from, what you love about the show, how it's impacted your life or business. You get the idea. So if you wouldn't mind taking two minutes today to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, you'd make our day. All right, stop show over. Now on to the actual show. Today's episode is another fun Q&A episode. You asked and we're here to answer. On today's show, you asked us questions ranging from how we decide what weddings and clients we take on since we have limited our capacity so much to what you should be doing with your real covers, how to know when it's time to go full-time and what steps to take, how a brand photographer should market herself to more advanced business owners, if and how we incorporate our husbands into our businesses, and we even answered some juicy legal questions from a wedding hairstylist. This episode is fun as well as hopefully super helpful. So buckle up and let's get started answering your questions. All right, all right, all right. The next Heart Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas on October 10th through 12th, 2023. We are freaking out, guys. The Dallas Heart Conference presale tickets are live right now. This week only until Sunday, October 23rd, presale tickets are 40% off. We are absolutely insane for doing this, but we love you guys so much. And we wanted to make this next conference as accessible as possible to you. They say everything's bigger in Texas. And honestly, we took that a little bit to heart because the Heart Conference is coming back bigger and better than ever before. And we want you in the room. This is going to be the biggest event of the year and you do not want to miss out. But don't take my word for it. Here's what some past Heart Conference attendees had to say about their experience. Morgan said, this week changed my life, period. Allie said, I would have paid five times over to go again. The gals from Savvy Design Co. raved about the Heart Conference saying, this week will go down as one of the most pivotal experiences in our business. And our girl, Christiel, said, to say this was transformative would be an undersell because I don't think I could put into words what it felt like to be fully accepted and cheered on by 150 plus fellow entrepreneurs. Friend, do not wait. You need to be in this room. It's going to change your life. To snag a ticket for a whopping 40% off, the cheapest it will ever be this week only, head to theheartuniversity.com forward slash conference. And we cannot wait to party rock in Texas with you next year. Again, that's theheartuniversity.com forward slash conference. Do not wait. Dallas is calling. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. 
All right, jumping on in. Holly Ann asks the first question. She says, how do you both decide what weddings you're going to take on as a photographer each year? I know you both are so busy with your education business, so you only take on a handful. I'm not even engaged, but I already know I want one of y'all for my wedding because of your love for Christ. It's amazing, and your energy is phenomenal. Okay, that's (laughs) first of all, so sweet, Holly Ann. I know, that was really sweet. When I first read this question, when we were like putting them in the document, I told Lindsay, I was like, I want immediately yes to Holly Ann. Like I know nothing about location, right. size of wedding. I know nothing, but yes. Like, well, that kind <laughs> of answers the question. Like, I think at this point, like anybody who's willing to pay my prices and <laughs> and wants me, like I am more, it's not even about aesthetic. It's not about like where you live. Like I'm not, I yeah. don't care about any of that. I care about, do you value photography? Do you care about what I have to offer and the experience that I want? Yeah. And if you are down, like, oh, Holly Ann or anyone's listening, like we are more than will it, like that's yes. really what, that's, that's all it is. Um, yes. And I feel like, I mean, to answer her question more in depth of like, like I don't, I, I don't really reject weddings at this point, but but I think it's mostly because, I mean, if somebody inquires and they don't want to work with me due to prices or whatever, like we don't work together or mm-hmm. um Sometimes like, obviously just like the date doesn't work just because like we're already booked or whatever. But yeah. I don't know, for the most part, I feel like if someone wants to reach out and work with me and I'm available, like da- I'm down. Like, yeah, I think I think that's almost to go a little bit more in depth on this because Lindsay and I, our time has become so limited due to running multiple businesses and you know whatnot. And because our time can be put into certain things that make us a decent amount of money. Like if we were to spend 12 hours which isn't even 12 hours, depending on if we're doing destination, like sometimes it's three plus days out of office. If I'm going to take, yes, plus editing time. Like if I'm going to take, let's say it's a week of my time between traveling, shooting, editing, communicating with my client, all of that. If I'm going to take a week of my time, I need it to be worth a week of my like hourly rate. So that's for Lindsay and I both, that was a big part of how we kind of limited our inquiries slash our bookings was to increase our prices to match what we're currently making in other aspects of our work, our businesses, whatever, so that it makes sense for us to be excited and willing to spend that week away from everything else to work Mm -hmm. with specific clients. So that's just like, even to give you a little deeper dive on, it's not that, you know, we're both sitting here still getting like, I remember the year before I really began like, or the year I did begin slowing down my booking significantly, I think I got 280 something inquiries that year, which, mm-hmm. you know, I was shooting like 20 weddings. Like that, it was like 10 times the amount that I could possibly shoot. Yeah. And I realized, oh gosh, I don't have time to be handling still 300 inquiries a year. Like, which was, you know, two or three a day. It was like a lot. It was so much. Um, And so that's when I got to the point where I was like, okay, I have to raise my prices to the point that a lot of people will now be like, okay, I, you know, not within my budget, which I understand, but it's going to then narrow down to the people who are willing to be like, you are worth it. I value you and your experience and the photos that you deliver. And I'm willing to adjust my wedding budget to make, you know, eliminate something else or, you know, whatever to work with you. And then with that being said, I do adjust my budget if it's the right client. But that's that's yeah. one of the ways we've really kind of like <laughs> narrowed in our our clients. And um, yeah, I, beyond that, anyone who inquires who has the same like heart and spirit as Holly Ann of like, I want you guys, I love your, you know, heart for the Lord and your energy and the work you create. To me, I'm like sold. Where do I sign up? Like I'm, I'm in. So yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. 
The other thing, the only other thing I've done since mostly becoming a mom is I used to travel a lot for sessions, not just weddings, but sessions. Um, and I've limited that like on a rare occasion, I will travel for a session, but now like I limit my weddings. Like if you are flying me to a location where I'm leaving my family, you need to book eight hours, like no less, just because monetarily, like Evie was saying, like that's yeah. not worth my time away from my family. And for a session, now it is no longer, unless I was charging like $4,000 for a session, it's now no longer worth my, like the monetary value of traveling. But that's again, a different season of life that I'm in. Yeah. Um, so that's just enough. That doesn't really answer her question. I just felt like throwing that in there for some reason. I don't know. I feel like we like almost like went too in depth on certain yeah, things. Probably. She was probably just like, I want you as my wedding photographer. And we should have been like, yes, we are available. When is it? Okay. All right. And moving on. I love it. Okay. The next question is from Lindy and she asks, should real covers be a still of the reel itself or another photo from your camera roll? I don't know if I have an opinion on this. I well, don't, well, okay. Here, let me share my thoughts. They're kind of jumbled and I'm sure Lindsay, you'll have more. I don't know that it's not, I don't believe that in based on my research and trial and error and other, other Instagram experts, whatever you want to say, I don't believe that one over the other automatically equals more reach or better growth or tricking the algorithm. I don't think there's like a secret sauce to that. What I will say is if you are a photographer, the aesthetic of your page does still matter more than any, uh, like, you know, if you were just, um, not just an influencer, but you know, if you were an, an influencer, influencer, a coach, yeah. like a, like a Etsy shop, I don't know, like the, the business that you're selling or the product that you're selling is a visual service. That is literally yeah. what, so you are trying to get people to catch their eye based on the visuals and the aesthetics that you are presenting. So with that being said, for photographers, if you are posting a reel to your main feed, I, I don't think it's a bad idea to use even if it's, it is a screenshot or like a selfie or, you know, something like that. It could be an iPhone photo, but it's, it's not like a eyes wide, mouth wide open. Like it it doesn't look like disturbing, (laughs) like disturbing or shocking or, you know, whatever. Still having in mind that aesthetics and visuals are still a big part of your marketing to your ideal clients. But with that being said, Instagram and our culture as a whole has deviated significantly from the picture-perfect magazine layouts, feeds that are flawless. People are desiring more real, raw, in the moment, unfiltered, authentic, you know, visuals and just life and, and posts and social media in general. So with that being said, I've seen a lot, including myself, a lot of people on social media and Instagram deviate away from the perfectly curated, planned out grid, you know, like and using like stills of the reel itself or I've unedited iPhone photos or those goofy, you know, eyes wide open, mouth wide open, like whatever screenshots or, or frames. And that's not also not a bad thing. So I think it kind of depends. It depends on you, your brand, what product or, or service you're offering, your industry that you're in and what makes you happy. I think at the end of the day, I feel like I'm just rambling. Sorry, Lindsay. But I feel like at the end of the day, like I've stopped curating my feed significantly from what I used to do. And sometimes I'll just post a photo having no idea what it's going to look like in my feed. And I don't care because I'm just posting in the moment. But at the same time, I still am a very visually affected person. And I do still like for my feed to make me happy when I go to it. And so if I'm having fun with what I'm posting and it's enjoyable for me and it makes me happy 
to me, that's contagious. And other people will notice that and people be inspired by that and enjoy it. But if if you're just like locked up in this, like, I must do this to be successful, people will also feel that. So that's just another thing. Like, do what makes you happy at the end of the day. Oh, wow. Okay. We're back <laughs> from the, the hour-long sabbatical. Okay, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like, I just went off. No, that was great. That was great. The only thing I have to add to that is people overthink this, I think, way too much. The mm-hmm. only time somebody actually sees it, like people will see your reel mostly from their home feed or the Reels Explore page, which neither will show them your your uh, whatever. The only time people will see the cover is when they go to your actual feed. Um, and people, I mean, yes, people are doing that, but they're not doing that enough for you to care. Make the real great more than Mm -hmm. you're focusing hyper on like what the cover looks like. That's 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 a good point. The real itself is 10 times more important than the cover that you put on it. Oh, yeah, that's good. So good. All right. Next question is from Jeannie Medina. She says, we are growing so much as a company. It's been a huge blessing. My business partner and I have full-time jobs still and just wondering if you can shed some light on knowing when to make that next step. Is it beneficial to have one of us leave our job first, what's a good goal to set and attain to know whether your company is in good shape for that next step? So I'm, I'm assuming what's basically the question is like, what's the next? Wait, like when should we go full time? Yeah, when should we go full time, and how do you know when your company is in good shape for that next step? I don't. I wish I had more information um, about this question because this is almost like a coaching call question that I would be like, okay, well, tell me more. Like, tell me all the like all the things. Like, let's spend an hour unpacking this and creating a game plan and going over numbers. Like, there's there's so yeah. much. There's only so much we could say, like not knowing or yeah. like not being on a coaching call with this person. So it sounds like there's two people that own a business. We don't know what business. Um, and they both, it's, it sounds like the business, the company is being very successful, which is great, but they still both have full-time jobs. Um, and they're wondering how to navigate. So my first question is what are you both on the same page as business owners? Are yeah. like, do both of you have the goal to eventually leave your full-time job and go in full-time with the business? Or is that only one of your goals? Like, I would just like clarify that first of all and make sure that you're on the same page. And the same page doesn't even have to mean you both have to do the same thing. Maybe one of you purely only wants to work part-time in the business and keep her full-time job. The other maybe wants to go full in. I don't know. Um, so that's that's the first question I would ask is like, what is your actual vision with the company? And do you both want to go full-time? And I'm assuming maybe based on the way this question is phrased that you do want to go full-time, both of you, Probably, because that's, I'm assuming, again, that's the way that that question was phrased, maybe. Um, Like, what's the next step? Is, Evie, do you have, like, any idea of, like, what would you recommend as, like, a marker of, like, hey, this is when I would maybe make the leap for both of you? Or should they do it at different times? Well, I mean, I think it depends on so many different factors, but... I know, that's why I'm, like, I wish (laughs) we had more information. What I would say, just a few thoughts that come into my mind are, you know, figure out if you need to have a safety net or if you already have one. So for example, if you both are married and your husband's full-time, you know, full-time employed and they both have, you know, enough income that that your full-time salary is just going into savings or, you know, fund money or whatever whatever you want to say, if you were to go full-time, do you have that ability to fall back on your partner or spouse's, you know, income or, or whatever, or are you in a situation where you can calculate your numbers and maybe you won't be matching your current full-time salary right away, but what is the number that you have to hit in order for you and whoever, your family or whoever to be still financially secure? Maybe let's say you're making 70,000 
at your current full-time job and you've run all the numbers with your husband or or if you're living, you know, single or whatever, living alone, living with roommates, whatever, you run the numbers for you and your situation, you realize, okay, I really only need to be making 35,000 to actually like make it in life and and be somewhat comfortable, not like luxuriously like whatever, but but I'm going to pay the bills and whatever. That's my encouragement is like, pay attention to that and be like, okay, so I'm willing to take that pay cut to go full-time with this business because I know that's going to give me the time and focus to really be able to push this. But I think at the end of the day, it's just knowing your numbers. Like it's, yeah. it's knowing if your business, Jeannie, is growing at the point you said we were growing so much as a company, it's a huge blessing. Uh, my encouragement is if your business is growing and you feel like you're starting to hit like walls and caps and ceilings, whatever you want to call it, of your time attention and everything that's going into your business. And you know that, okay, if I go full-time, if I quit my job and go full-time with this business, it is going to 10X in its growth and speed, you know, whatever. I, I, if you have the ability to take that leap and you know that you have some sort of savings set aside that can, you know, float you for a few months or six months, you have a spouse's income that you can fall back on. You can cut your expenses, move back in with your parents, whatever that looks like for you. If you have that opportunity to take the leap and you're feeling that nudge for yourself, I would say, take it at the end of the day. Like, don't don't just foolishly throw everything aside and just jump. Make sure you have a parachute of some sort or a net to catch you. But also, oftentimes, there's a lot of us don't ever feel ready to take that leap. So if you're already feeling we are growing so much, we need to think about you know quitting our full time jobs. If you're already feeling all of those nudges, which it sounds like you are, I mm. would almost say like run the numbers, make sure you know your safety net or your parachute is in place, and then jump. The last part of this question I kind of want to touch on is because it's, she asked, is it beneficial to have one of us leave our jobs first? I think that part of the question can get tricky. If I don't know what type of partnership this is. If, if you own it together, like 50-50, then I would have an honest and frank conversation between you two. If one of you decides to quit your full-time job and go full-time in the business before the other one and the work amount that you're putting in is uneven, have that conversation. Like, because yeah. like with a 50-50 partnership, typically you're both getting paid the same. Um, but that doesn't always have to be the case. And so I would just have honest and open communication if one of you does leave and jump before the other. Because I don't think there should be pressure for both of you to jump at the same time if that's not good for both of your businesses. Yeah. Um, but that's just like, I would I just, again, with any business partnerships, um, have very, very, very frank and open and honest conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Or maybe both of you could go down to part-time at the same time. And then, but you know, like there's, yeah. there's options. Uh, biggest thing is, with business partners is just communicate, communicate, communicate. And then over-communicate. Yes. And then communicate again. <laughs> yep. All right. Next one. You want to read it? Yeah. All right. This is from Icedy. I believe that's how we pronounce your name. I'm very familiar with who you are, but I, it's been a while since I've said your name out loud. So I hope I said that right. Okay. This is a very specific, very niche specific, but I'd love your take on this. How would you go about marketing a personal brand photography business for established entrepreneurs? Or what would you want to know or enjoy seeing from a photographer you'd consider hiring for your business? Target audience being business owners ready to elevate their brand, scale their businesses, less one-on-one work, more one-to-many model, and take their business to the next level. Business owners who are invested in their work and looking to leave an impactful legacy. 
My struggle sometimes is coming up with creative and impactful ways to market that go beyond the basics of brand photography marketing, like why you need a brand shoot or five photos you need in your blank, or here is why you should show up online. Because I find that speaks more to business owners who are at earlier stages in business. And while I'm happy to work with people regardless of the stage they're in, the way I work is really suited for those who know who they are, who they serve, what they offer, and have a big vision for their business so I can help them step into that vision, or those who are ready to go big from the start. It also feels like every brand photographer out there recycles the same content ideas, and I'd love to get your take on more unique ways you would market this type of work. (laughs) This is... I have so many thoughts. So basically, she's a brand photographer whose ideal client is not beginners. Basically, his brand photographer's ideal clients are business owners, but so her business owner... Ideal client is like, is more advanced. Okay. I love that she even gave examples of like, you know, most brand photographers out there are are using content pieces. Like why you should have, because again, they're trying to almost convince in their marketing, they're trying to convince people why they need brand photography. Which a lot of of business owners need that type of content. But if if ICD is marketing to the more experienced or elevated business owners, they already know all of that information. Okay, so my first thought, you said so much. I see where, uh, well, where, where, where did she say it? Where did she say it? Um, the way I work is really suited to those who know who they are, who they serve, what they offer, and have big vision for their business. So I can help them step into that vision. I would focus 100% on that sentence. Like, it, like your content should, because again, you're not convincing them why they need brand photos. You're convincing them how you specifically can yeah. take brand photos that help match their vision that they already have. So yeah. it's, again, it's just it's pointing that needle of the compass to a little bit more of a higher level. So you're, I mean, this is for anybody, but like deep dive into who your ideal client is, ask yourself why they need your service, what they're struggling with most, right? So your ideal client isn't probably struggling with getting bookings or like getting seen. And maybe that's why they need to like create a more personal brand. Your ideal client already knows that. They already have that from what it sounds like. They probably have done content photos in the past. You need to differentiate yourself on why your content photos are better and why the experience working with you is like top notch and seamless. And like, I would even hit on like, you're a busy as heck entrepreneur. You yeah. got a lot of crap going on. Like hit on those pain points, which you pain points start coming up the more I, that you identify who you're speaking to. So as I'm just even talking, I'm thinking like, oh, your ideal client is a busy entrepreneur. Like I'm, I'm, I probably, I'm, maybe this is presumptuous. I feel like I'm your ideal client. Like I'm thinking of like, what would I need? I want someone who shows up, who knows their damn job, who's going to do it fast. Who's going to like think of the things that that are quick and easy and like make the process seamless. Mm-hmm. So I would use like things like that to showcase your value and to showcase yep. you're not selling them on why they need brand photography. You're selling them on why you're the best and yep. why your, your process is the easiest, the yep. seamless, all the things. Evie? Yeah. I mean, my big, one of my biggest things was <laughs> what you just said of busy entrepreneurs, because the reality is the, the oftentimes the higher level you get in entrepreneurs, the more that's on their plate. Um, mm-hmm. So that I would focus on not just like coming alongside them and really marketing towards, you know, you like, you know who you are, you know who you serve, you know what you offer, you have a big vision, let me help bring that vision to life. You know, not only that marketing, but I would very much also focus on, you have a lot on your plate, let's do, like you could even, I don't, I don't, I don't want to like assume what you would want to do with your, your business, Icedy. But in my head, I'm like, okay, 
would it be a smarter route to go for quick mini sessions and you do, you know, 30 minute, 45 minute sessions? Or is it a better idea to go for longer sessions? It's like two or three hours and you do like five locations, seven outfit changes so that they have content. They just, it's one and done for like two, three months of content or, you know, whatever. So I would really lean into that. I see and think that through. And then the other things that are coming to my mind are like, I would I would really focus on your actual experience and making sure it's something like I'm thinking okay are could you help them pick out their their outfits like like hunt online like they create a Pinterest vision board of what they have in mind they fill out like a super short questionnaire of this is my brand this is my vision this is what these photos will be used for and then you pull together Awesome. These are the locations. Here's the price points. Here are some outfits based on your brand colors and your brand vision. Here's like, it, like, could you basically do their online shopping for them? Help them uh-huh. like be like, here are your hair and like makeup artists. Plate, almost like yes. a VA. Yes. That. Yeah. Like, like for the busy experienced entrepreneur, I would almost say like, how high level can you make the experience so that all they have to do is book with you and answer a few questions, create a simple Pinterest board, which most of us love doing, and then show up, sit in a chair. You already have hair and makeup planned for them. You have like, how much can you do for them and take off their plate? And then, and then also with that, like I said, like maybe making it like a fuller experience where they do a studio, they do an outdoor, they do a, a black drop headshot, like, you know, whatever. They have multiple locations multiple styles, multiple outfits so that they're going once and they have hundreds of photos. You know, I, I would book that. Like I would, yes. granted I'm a photographer. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm not the ideal, but like anybody that is a high level entrepreneur, like I feel like a lot of us batch, like a lot yes. of us, like we want it one and done. And so I would love the idea of like doing a shoot where I have like a whole like batch day, seven to eight outfits yep. that lasts me six months, like in, yep. in different locations. And, and if you planned it for me, the other thing I was thinking of as Evie was talking was even incorporating, because again, your ideal client is advanced business owners, incorporating advanced business tips almost where, where you can incorporate headshot or like you can incorporate like, uh, like you could do a post or a blog post or whatever on like ideas on what you can use headshots for, which obviously yes, could apply to like a beginner, but also like, I'm thinking of like, like give me ideas of places that I could use content photos that I haven't even thought of yet. Like yeah. your, your course like sales page or like, again, like this is maybe beginner, but like, I'm just thinking like educational pieces that speak to photographer, not photographer, sorry, business owners that, um, that again, speak to why brand, like how brand photography can save me time yep. and help me connect with my ideal client. So it's, you're dipping a little bit, I think, into some of that beginner stuff, but you're not, you're not framing it in a way of like, why you're not, you're not convincing us why we need it. You're showing us all the ways that we can use it. And all like, you're giving me, you're like helping us. I like give ideas, which I think also is just a helpful, because again, I'm I'm trying to think of content that actually like gets you out there of like into your intent into wow words in front of your ideal client's eyes. And is saying like, Oh, here's, ways that you could use it. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's actually great. I haven't thought of that. And then I go over and I check you out and I'm like, oh, actually I need to hire her. Listen up entrepreneurs. Do you ever struggle with getting all of the nutrients that you need in a day? Cause let's be real. You are busy as heck. Same. Introducing Athletic Greens. We've started taking AG1 because we wanted to see what all of the hype was about. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. 
This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Literally all the things. Yes, AG1 contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. And a friend of ours describes it as white gummy bear flavor, and that is very accurate. (laughs) Yes, it's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself, and your subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is so important to add in the winter months when you don't get as much sunlight. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash heart. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash heart to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. The hustle and grind of staying on top of content creation, running a business, and being a creative entrepreneur can be exhausting some days where honestly, a drive-through and iced coffee feels kind of better than meal prep or trying the latest recipe from your feed. Yes, not to mention trying to find cookware set that meets your aesthetics and your small space kitchen. Like, it's exhausting, but don't worry, we got you. Oh yes, we are obsessed with the newest collection from Meyer Cookware. And let's be honest, the stackability of the new Accent series is absolutely amazing. Their new set is seriously gorgeous in matte black design, and we cannot stop talking about the vibes in our kitchen. Yes. If you're not familiar with Meyer, you can check them out on Instagram at Meyer Labs. Their diverse design team created a set designed for the ultimate minimalist lifestyle after traveling the world to discover what home cooks love or hate about their current cooking experiences. Okay, guys, but I'm not even kidding. This set is completely stackable, including the two universal lids. And if you can relate to a little cabinet chaos with lids being all over, honestly, your struggles are gone. We feel like professional home organizers now just because of this set. Yes, and not only that, but it has all the pieces you'll ever need. The nonstick pans are perfect for frying or searing your meat, chicken or salmon. Plus, there's a gorgeous stainless steel pot perfect for veggies, and it even has an anti-boil over design, which is so helpful. You can check them out at meyer.com forward slash heart or use code heart for 20% off your order. Well, I think there's also something to be said for, you know, really leaning into how to save time, how to batch your content photos in a way that will save you time. How to, yeah. you know, like, like time I was, is a huge one. Yeah. Leaning into time and then be like, you know, why, I don't know, even doing like a, a blog post or something of like, why brand, I think brand photography is outdated and done poorly for uh-huh. high level entrepreneurs. Like something like that, that it's not necessarily the like, why you need Ooh. them or could you bring, I don't know if you have like, like a backdrop and lighting, but could you, something that could be so cool is bringing the studio to them so they don't even have to leave their house. That's another yeah. idea. Like, like, cause it's again, like time, energy, you're a busy, like, it sounds like your edge client is a busy entrepreneur. They might have a family. And so they're, they're just balancing a lot of things. That yeah. would be an incentive uh, that might not work. That could only maybe work for like a backdrop situation, yeah. but um, I think you could option. even, you could even do content of, you know, how to prepare content house. for six months, like how to prepare Ooh, content yeah. in advance for six months, spending, you know, a few hours or something like that. Like think through the bigger questions that that ideal client is probably asking. That was so good. A lot, but I hope that was helpful. <laughs> All right. Next question is from Rebecca Donahue. She says, do you incorporate your husband's into your business at all? And if so, how do you? I'd love to incorporate my husband into mine, just not as a second shooter slash editor. And I want to make it more of our business, not just solely mine. 
I love this question so much. Yeah. I'm going to start it off by first sharing of the time back in the summer of 2018 <laughs> before before I decided to hire an editor. Um, and I was like, I mean, Andrew was in the Coast Guard, but he had like some extra time and I was drowning. Um, I think I might've just hired a VA maybe, but again, I'm still drowning like in shooting and editing. Like editing, oh, that was just like, it was a lot. So he took it off my plate. It did not go well. Did not go well. Because like, we got into this dynamic where I became his boss, which, but, but uh, that, not that husbands and wives can't work together, but in that scenario where we weren't prepared for it, we weren't seeking like counsel of how to do it. We it literally, we just jumped in head first. He edited my photos and I was like, no, don't do it. Like, <laughs> it was funny. It's like, it was like mixing marriage and relationship, but like with a boss situation where I was like, trying to give him cr- criticism and feedback or like one time he didn't edit it fast enough. And I was late on a wedding and I was like, lit- I was live. I was like, you cannot do that. I was like, you absolutely cannot do it. Anyways. Um, so, <laughs> so it didn't work for you guys. <laughs> well, but we've grown. So I, the reason I like this question is because I, I I'm just like her. We're in the sense of like, I, D- Andrew and I have actually started definitely incorporating working together, but he's not a second shooter and he's not my editor anymore. Um, <laughs> and so I would say, I think, I, I don't, we, t- to be fair, he hasn't actually incorporated super much into like the heart, not at all. And then Lindsay Roman photography, like barely, he's mostly taken over like finances, I would say, which, okay, that touches that. I guess that is my business. So he's touched like taxes and finances. That's really the majority of like how he takes control mm-hmm. with that. But that's, that's just cause that's not my wheelhouse. So that's one aspect, but we are definitely trying to start new businesses where we were working together, but that's yeah. not necessarily in mine. So that wasn't her question. Yeah. Um, well, so my answer is slightly different because Lynn and I do have uh, a business together and we're planning, we're planning to clarify, we're planning to launch another one. I don't know if we will at this point. We we had it all like set up, LLC created, inventory ready, everything. But we put pause on that when I was launching Evie Swim and thank God we did because it would have been too much. But um so Landon and I do work together on some companies, but Landon has never come into, at least as of, as of now, any of my businesses that were established prior to us getting married, um, uh-huh. or, or at least prior to like us being super serious. Cause we started a business together before we were married, which I know a lot of people will be like, don't do that, but it's worked great. Anyways. Um, so I've never tried to bring Landon into my existing businesses, except except that he does also with Lindsay, like and Andrew, he does come in and help me with some of my finances stuff. Cause that's also not my biggest strength what's, in the world. What's funny. What's actually funny now that I'm thinking about this is we have brought Landon into the heart as a photographer many times. That's true. We have hired <laughs> him for photo and that's, videos. <laughs> that's more just like, Hey, we can get him for cheapsies. Yeah. We've brought him in as a contractor. He he's obligated. <laughs> We're we're like here. We'll pay you a little bit, and you get to sleep with Evie. And he's like, "Great, I'm down." <laughs> well, he he took he took the the original heart podcast cover, the one against you know the yeah. matching suits against the wall. He took that. He did that entire shoot, and then he also photographed our conference. Uh, and he he helped film uh, some one of, of the courses. One of the courses. <laughs> Anyways, he's definitely so he's definitely helped. And I mean, he's offered to with certain things with Evie Swim. He's offered to come in as like a, a wholesale manager, and he probably will step into that position at some point. Also, now that I'm thinking about it, when we filmed our courses, Andrew flew out more mostly for moral support for me, but also cooked for us. So I don't know how you relate that. <laughs> She's the chef, the caterer. I don't know. Whatever. 
<laughs> he was our <laughs> private chef. He really, he really does amazing job with stuff like that. But it was great. The point is, I don't think either Lindsay or I have made extra like it's not been a huge pivot of like Evelyn Grace photography or whatever to then be Lindsay and or I'm Lindsay, LOL, other work spouse. Um, Landon and Evie photography, like it hasn't become the McLeods or, you know, anything like that. We've, he started his own photography and videography business a few years ago and that stayed his. My photography has stayed mine. We've helped each other out. I've associate shot for him. He second shoots for me a lot. Like, like we help each other out, but it's separate businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, like there'll be certain times I helped him edit a wedding recently that was super tricky. I called and edited it for him, um, because he was swamped with editing and I was like, let me, let me help. Um, but other, like, to me, that's just like spouse support. We're not doing yeah. those businesses together. But I will say when we started a business together, I feel like that was an entirely different situation because it was dual partnership. It was like 50-50 from day one. Yeah. It wasn't it trying wasn't to like incorporate. Andrew coming in as an editor and maybe yeah. like, no. <laughs> it, it also, I also want to say, I think it depends on like couple dynamics. Like, like it depends so much. Some couples to this day, they are some of the most powerful married couples that I know. And they've been married for like 20 years. And they will say, we do not work that well in like business partnerships. Our brains just work differently. We end up getting frustrated with each other. We don't like doing that together. And I know other couples that have worked together from day one. Like Lan and I started a business together before we were married. And it's been literally the easiest and smoothest thing in the entire world from day one. So I don't want to say like, every couple should work together or every couple should not work together. I think it just truly depends on like dynamics, what the position is, what it looks like. What, like there's so much. I will also say, just to kind of end this question, I'm real. I'm looking at like our mass, like our like lineup for episodes. I'm, if, if we don't change anything when this comes out. So when you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, when it came out, next Tuesday, or if you're listening to this way after it aired, the literal next episode that you're going to listen to uh, is Jeremy Pryor. And we're literally talking to him about how to start like a family business. So listen to that episode, future me. We're interviewing him tomorrow. So hopefully we keep the lineup the same. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Well, hopefully Rebecca, that kind of answered your question. I, I think the bottom line is I don't think either one of us have a ton of experience with bringing a spouse into a like a currently running existing solo existing business. business. Yeah. So I don't know that we can give you a ton of like very specific advice today, but if you want us to do like a, an episode, you know, like Jeremy Pryor or bring on somebody else who does work hand in hand with their spouse. Oh, we have an episode with Jordan and Matt too of working together. Jordan yeah, and Matt but it was more finances, I think. But, but yeah. Anyways, there's, if you want us to cover that more in depth with with other people, we can. All right. Next question. (laughs) All right. This one. Okay. This question, actually, this is our last question for the day. Um, but it came from a review. Um, and I loved it so much. I wanted to put it in here because she, I mean, there's, when you ask a question in a review, I can't respond to that. Like, it's not like a comment. So alas, here we are. Um, so this is from photo mama one, 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 one. That's probably not her name. Anyway, okay, you get it. Um, I was wondering if you had advice for a person who does wedding hair. Usually I don't get paid till the day of the wedding. On a past episode, you talked about contracts and stuff. Do you do that with bridesmaids too if you're helping them with hair? Also, I've hi- I've been hired to do just hair for the bride and I bring literally everything, but the bridesmaids want to do their own hair, but like my products and take them to use them. What should I do? Usually I just let it go and have them use my products, but I feel used because they're my products. I paid for them. Okay, this is a, first of all, I want to preface every single thing that we say. We've never been hairstylists. So we haven't, 
dealt with like this exact scenario. Because she was like, what do you, do you do contracts with bridesmaids too? I'm like, well, first of all, we've never been in a situation ourselves where that would be applicable. Um, we also are not I lawyers. Have, Disclaimer, we are not yeah, legal not, counsel. Not lawyers. So, okay. My first thought is educating before the wedding day. Yeah. So, and I'm sure you probably maybe already do this, but when you're in contract, because ultimately the bride is your client. Although I will say if, if you have bridesmaids who want to do it, then each of them, in my opinion, is an individual client. That's how I'm reading the situation at least. So like, obviously your inquiry probably starts with the bride and and goes beyond. But like, if I were you and I was talking with a bride, I would ask her, to, hey, like, is there any of your bridesmaids that also want the hair done? And I'm sure you have a situation that happens a lot where like, they'll say no. And then on the wedding day, they'll be like, oh, do you have time? And maybe that doesn't happen because of timeline. But again, I would use this scenario to over communicate and set expectations from the get go and, yeah. and say like, have FAQs in your pricing guide on your website, all of this that say like, um, if you, if, uh, you have not hired me to do your hair, you, you cannot take my products for free. You can use nicer language than that. Um, but just setting that expectation and telling your bride, like, hey, in the past, I've had people use my products, which I'm like happy to like, you know, share a hairspray here or there. But like when I'm consistently having bridesmaids use all of my my products that I paid for and they're not paying me to do their hair, then it, it really eats into my bottom line. Yeah. I would just communicate that with the bride. And before the wedding, like get people like a hundred percent yes or no. Am I doing your hair or not? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like get, I don't know. Like each of them is an individual client. Well, I don't, I don't know that I agree with that just because I don't know the legal legalities on that. I, I have worked with several, you know, being a bridesmaid in a wedding, worked with several hair, hair and makeup artists. I never have had to sign an individual contract, but I know the bride does. And in her contract, it it might be how they set it up though. Well, yeah, I'm, that's why I'm saying like, I don't know the legalities. I don't think you probably need to have an individual contract with every bridesmaid. What I do think you need to have is a very clear contract with the bride stating how many bridesmaids, like how many people who like what, like length of time, you know, are they doing hair and makeup? Are they just doing hair? Like you need to have absolutely everything yeah. in contract. I think I, I'm not a lawyer. I almost want to ask Paige this question, but like, I think your contract should probably just be with the bride, but it should be very clear with the bride, like all everything that Lindsay said, like you should have a clear number of this number of people are getting their hair and makeup done. And I would encourage, like Lindsay said, like a week or two weeks or whatever your time frame is before the wedding, have like direct communication with your bride saying, hey, I just want to reiterate, like I know that right now I currently have just you doing hair and makeup or hair or whatever. And I just want to confirm that none of your bridesmaids have changed their mind, that your mother-in-law, mother, anything like that. Because once I arrive on the wedding day, I have a very specific allotted time. We are only yeah. scheduled for that amount of time within the schedule. And my products are only for use with my cli- like clients that are actually hiring me for hair ser- like yeah. hair services or whatever. I would be very clear and have that email go out and tell your bride, please communicate to your bridesmaids that, you know, I do not share products and I don't help them with hair once this like time deadline has passed. And that can be whatever deadline for you. It could be a month before, a week before, you know, the day before. It's totally up to you. But I would make sure that's very clearly communicated directly with your bride. I I really want to ask Paige this now because in my brain, 
your client is the person that's paying. So I bet, but I know like multiple examples where like the bride just covers it for her bridesmaids. But I also know examples where if you want your hair done as a bridesmaid, that's on you. So like, why would the bride be under contract if they're, does that make sense? Yeah, but I, then I, I, but then I think about like as a photographer, and this is I guess just us brainstorming. I'm like as a photographer, I will you know like I'm shooting ever I'm shooting all the bridesmaids and all the groomsmen. But yeah, I don't but you're have not them. you're not delivering those photos to them. You're not giving them a service. They're just a part of the service because they're present and your mm, client is still the bride and groom. That's, maybe that would Whereas be the difference. Is a is a different. Maybe that would be I, the differentiator. Is who is pay like if a, if a bridesmaid yeah. is directly paying you, then they're a client. Then right? they should I, they should have a contract. I Paige, where are you? <laughs> Okay, the, the last thing I want to say about this is if if you are, do all of that, you communicate and people still end up stealing like your stuff and like using more than just like a squirt of hairspray, I would raise your prices to accommodate and just expect for it to happen. Yeah, I think I think also there's a part of me that that says like I wouldn't be afraid in the moment. Like you don't just have to hand it over if somebody does ask. You can still try to communicate in the moment. Be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I actually like I have very limited like inventory and quantity, yeah. and I specifically bring what I need to bring for my like my listed number of clients for the day. So I I yeah. want to make sure I have everything that I need for the bride today. Like like whatever, however you want to communicate it. Like don't be afraid to be like I'm so sorry. I actually like for safety and and. uh like health reasons, I don't hand out my products. My thought is like, what are they borrowing? Is, is it like bobby pins? Because I could see bobby pins. You're not getting those back. I'm like, assuming it's like hairspray or I'm assuming, curling iron. I'm assuming it's like curling irons, hairspray, bobby pins, like hair accessories. I'm assuming it's just like people are like, can I have the the, but, the but texturizing like, mousse and like okay, yeah product like that, that makes sense. But if it's a curling iron and you're not using it, what there's no harm in them okay. using it. There's also a part of me, well, unless you need it, there's also well, a part true. of me that uh, like says, cause I bring a wedding day emergency kit for my brides that includes like bobby pins, safety pins, yeah. uh, floss, toothbrush, deodorant, like travel deodorant for men and women. Like Just I bring like as I, al- the I almost think like as a hairstylist, that could be a really cool like level up luxury offer of like you almost have your own little like it could be just travel sized. It could be more drugstore items versus like the super expensive ones, but almost bringing your own little kit on the side for those situations mm-hmm. of bridesmaids asking and being willing to be like, yeah, here's my like, you know, like free for use kit or whatever you would want to call it. Like my emergency kit for bridesmaids. Like if you haven't booked me for your service, you can pick out of this bag and like use what you need. Like that might be a really cool way to over deliver on a wedding day without having to be like, nope, you can't have. I don't know. Yeah, that's just a thought. That's, no, I love that. I love that. Well, that's it, guys. No. <laughs> All right. We hope that was helpful and hope that was fun. I would recommend if somebody actually does have a legitimate legal question on the contracts now, go ask Paige. <laughs> go yeah, ask go ask, it's it's the at the legal page. Go ask her this question. Well, actually, I'm going to DM her after this and be like, yo, listen, we had this question. I want to know if it's one contract or like, just the, I think it's, I feel like, I feel like I'm just going to call it now. I feel like it's who pays, who's paying. But what if that a would bridesmaid pays the bride? You know what I mean? Like the bride but, is but actually. In this scenario, the bride is still your client then. So then the, so then you're, it's just the bride. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I've never, du- I've never directly. Oh, actually I have once. I was going to say, I've never directly paid a hairstylist. Well, but just because you once. haven't doesn't mean that other people haven't. Because if the bride's not paying for the bridesmaid's hair, then they have to pay directly. No, no. Sometimes I have to pay the bride. 
Like, like I, like she, well, that, that means cost. that she, she booked it for you. <laughs> We're getting off topic. The point is we love you guys. Go ask the legal page. If you want to like actually get a legal question, we'll probably find the answer too and maybe post it to the stories when this episode goes live. Anyways, we love you and we will see you on the next episode.